Hello, I'm Shelley Duval, and this is the very first episode of On Air. A lot of you listening will know me from Instagram, so to you guys who follow VHS Mate, I'd like to extend you a huge welcome, and for the first time, a real-life hello. Hi. As you can tell, I'm not the average American podcaster. I'm Australian, and I'm coming to you all the way from down under. You know what they say about this place, right? It's closer to hell down here. Far and wide all across the world, the last decade has seen technological changes to the way media is delivered, and naturally, the way we consume it has vastly changed. We've gone from analogue to digital, physical to invisible, what was once tangible and holdable, manufactured, craftfully made, stickered and packaged with branding, is now deduced to the tiny pixels of nothingness that exist only within our personal devices. What was once out of print, unheard of, rare, obscure, bootlegged and hard to find, is available to stream, sometimes to watch for free, to pirate, torrent, and live on in gift form in the realms of social media. Choice was once limited, choice is now in abundance, motion pictures are as important as ever, and the audience, a one-time collective of bodies enticed to the front of a cinema screen lured by the promise of thrills and a large popcorn and coke, have now segregated and broken off into subcategories of demographics. Fans now interact with media, They, we, engage with it. Sometimes we create responses to it through content creation. We speak a filmic language and indulge in a multiverse of dialogues with our favourite films, creating worlds of alternate universes, fan cultures and fan fiction. Fans are responsible for the legacy of movies, creating phenomenon never seen before. And often, conventions excluded, this only exists through the phones, iPads, laptops, smart TVs and personal devices we own, through the device that's playing this very podcast right now, a voice among many. In dark times, however, the human psyche reflects. It longs for the past. It relives memories, often wanting the things that no longer cease to exist in our lives. Expiration, validity, death, not everything has to end. And often the best word for a resurgence of a particular thing is better understood as, well, undead. And that's where the N-word appears. Not that N-word. Come on, guys. Not Netflix. Nostalgia. And just like that, we come full circle. Too much choice. Too many movies. Too much data. We begin to long for simpler times. And that's when things begin to seep into our little lives once again. Ladies and girls, welcome to the topic of discussion to kick off VHS Made On Air. Tonight we're going to focus on rewind and revision, modern nostalgia. More on that later though. Man's fear has risen again. VHS Mate On Air is designed to engage with you wherever you may be in the world. At home, multitasking, on your lunch breaks, walking your dog, Cujo maybe. Possibly, you might even be driving home in Christine, picking up hapless hitchhikers on your way to that little town named Dover. Volume high, neon lights down that lonely highway. Maybe you're a shift worker, slugging away on the graveyard shift, sharing more in common with the crypt keeper than your 9 to 5 average Patrick Bateman. In the words of Bella Lugosi's Dracula, I bid you well. This is a conversation between me and you, and I will do my best to keep you grinning like a madman or woman while we explore nostalgia and stroll down the aisles of our collective video store. No late fees and no rewinding that goddamn tape. You don't even have to adjust your tracking. Everybody be cool. Over the next 12 months, we are going to look at the weird, the wonderful, the good, the bad and the forgotten. Trends that got us rolling, films that got us trolling and videos that forever sit on the shelves of the aisles down memory lane. Over the next year, we will analyse science fiction, sex thrillers, teen witches, VHSR, 80s fashion, Supergirl with Helen Slade, action films, 
Charlie Brewster, Cult Musicals, 90s Aliens, Amity Island, Prehistoric Problems, Alternate Worlds, Lifetime Telemovies, Supernatural Romance, Kylie Jenner, Lol Joe, and much, much more. VHS Mate has you covered from Alien to Xanadu. Hold up a sec. Xanadu isn't spelt with a Z. And most of all, the main event, the number one reason all of you are here. Retro horror movies. Videos and genre movies that have us shook. So pump that volume, baby. Let's talk video. No video card required. Driving you home tonight. This is VHS Mate. On air, on air, on air, on air, on air. I would like to take you on a strange. The following program is intended for mature audiences. Vampires don't exist. Get away from her, you bitch. There once was a time and place where referencing anything beyond the present was considered irrelevant. Nostalgia in the 2Ks is everywhere. The recent Super Bowl commercial seemingly banked on our good feels of the past, using numerous stars and films to tap into that memory bank in order to sell us products, because Pepsi really needs promotion, right? But nostalgia isn't a new trend, it's nothing new at all. It has ignited subcultures within film and music that have housed themselves and continue to thrive online. In music, emerging revisionist retro genres such as synthwave, vaporwave, retrowave reimagine the past or seemingly cater to listeners of 80s produced electronic music. Nostalgia is that powerful it has even prompted synthwave producers to make entire soundtracks and scores to films that don't even exist, based on just one nostalgic film concept alone. This is a brand new byproduct of the relationship between audiences, listeners and their media. Nostalgia is powerful. A recent Forbes article discussed us millennials' obsession with nostalgia. It's a general understanding, really, of wanting what we can't have. And that brings us to video stores and the VHS scene. I'd be a millionaire if I had a dollar for every time someone has said to me, Videotapes are over. Vinyls have been back in business for years now, and they appear to be a staple once again in a musicscape dominated by MP3s and intangible digital music. We all know that video stores lucked out to the better delivery model proposed by Netflix. But also, video stores do exist. They're rare and few and far between, so they're not extinct entirely, like you read on the casual Facebook news post, shared and commented on users who brag about using Pirate Bay and Put Locker. What's fascinating is Netflix and nostalgia. Netflix relies on nostalgia and our longing for it. Strip the Netflix library of retro content of film and TV we grew up with and say goodbye to over half of the catalogue. Long before algorithms, there was video stores. There was the big chains, Blockbuster, Hollywood Video, and in Australia, Civic Video, Network Video, and Video Easy. Outside the giants, there was also the glorious family-owned video shops, small guy video stores that possessed the charm and character that diminished as the 90s rolled through. We went from detail-orientated, fun and exciting interiors to warehouse-style, vacant, brightly lit chain stores that became the norm for the video store experience. In the 70s, record stores doubled not only as retail shops, but meeting places for like-minded people. It was a place where you could meet people who have similar musical tastes to you. 
Video stores, though, differ, becoming less of a meeting place and more of a personal space. You didn't meet people in the aisles of video stores. It was strictly a space for us to browse along at our own pace and our own time. No monthly subscriptions, well, maybe a one-off joining fee in exchange for a laminated video card, and that store was yours. How many hours did we spend perusing aisles and shelves and shelves of box art, clamshell videos and slipcases, artworks of colour, creased and folded, stickered moulding and sometimes in Australia, sun bleached. The video store was the library of the 80s. Each of us who walked down the aisles developed a strange kinship with videos on the shelves. This experience was escapism in itself, a crucial process that has made VHS and the video store experience a profound moment in our childhoods and lives. In terms of movies, we all knew what was in front of us. In Australia, being disconnected from most of the world, older, lesser known and obscure movies weren't found or were given a very small release. Lots of well-known films hadn't yet been given retrospective re-releases. For one thing, videotapes were expensive to own, which is what made the idea of renting them from a video store a small victory. Films were either available in eroded glory or not at all, as most videos were out of print. Today we can't imagine a world where media is out of print or unattainable or unavailable, but during the video store era, this was a stark reality. We had no choice but to accept it. My video store didn't even have a copy of Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street until it was re-released in the late 90s. I grew up on the sequels, those aforementioned videotapes with eroded nightmare-inducing artworks splashed all over the cover. Memory is an interesting subject, it is often unreliable and we tend to romanticise the past no matter how grim or mundane it was. When we remember the video store, however, it's a pure memory, untainted by perils, because it was a golden era for films, lucrative, ever important to success, and possessed the ability to find a niche in different markets. Home video was personal, and this meant commercially, for distributors and studios, the world was its oyster. If a film didn't perform great at the box office, that's okay. There was a home video market and an audience waiting who would eventually save a film from complete commercial failure. Home video plays a major part in the makings of cult films. To consider the home video experience, it's definitely personal. Maybe because it was a ritualistic token in our lives, somehow it survived the digital transition. Blockbuster's gone, most video stores around the world have perished, and yet here we all are linked to each other across the world by the shared memories of going to the video store. I believe it's best said as... Life, uh, finds a way. Video has risen from the grave in the form of tape collecting. The key to video's longevity is the VHS tapehead subculture where our analogue hearts beat to a drumline composed by the past. Tangibility is the core of the video era. Like vinyls in the face of Spotify, VHS and video stores is doing the same among the digital landscape, guarded by iTunes, Netflix and streaming giants. Netflix, the giant who simultaneously ended the video store era, reflects on its video past too. It's no secret nostalgia is a bankable phenomenon for Netflix, driving shows like Stranger Things and Glow. Video, however, is undead. It's an exciting time when Netflix, a home entertainment platform that revolutionised the way we consume media, releases their retro revisionist series Stranger Things to emulate a VHS. Erosion, creasing, stickers and all. A bizarre homage to the format it attempted to make obsolete. One must really start to think about nostalgia as a phenomenon, and in order to do this, we must break the phenomenon down into two categories. The first is artifactual, products of a bygone era. These are films, videos, records, merchandise, fashion from its true era, like artifacts from a time in existence. The second is memory, often a romanticist retelling of things from a specific era. 
whereas one is a tangible thing, the other is an intangible condition that gives way to revision, homage and tribute, the past recreated, made today. The latter category could be understood as television shows like Stranger Things, Glow, films such as Grindhouse, The Void, It Follows, and music such as Synthwave. It's no surprise like Netflix, Australian entertainment outlet JB Hi-Fi released a limited rewind collection of 80s films, packaged to emulate VHS rentals. Only a box though, no plastic case or clamshell casing, and funnily using American stickers, the green horror sticker, when the bizarre fact is, in Australia these weren't used at all. This is what you call revisionist, a ghost of the real thing. The problem is revisionist retro is a trend, whereas artifactual nostalgia appears to have no expiry. There are those that consume Stranger Things, a show designed to appease the mainstream audience, and then there are those who are true nostalgia retro waivers who continue to watch video, appreciate artifacts from the past, buy and swap videos, and continue to celebrate video. This sort of demographic are the guys being exploited, me and you. Now I love Stranger Things, it's great, but more importantly I love its source material. Stephen King, The Goonies, Stand By Me, Steven Spielberg's films. I don't have to binge watch a TV show that's regurgitating and homogenizing original material in the guise of homage and throwback. I've been going straight to the source of material anytime I like, usually on VHS, and this is the way it has been for many of us, long before nostalgia even became a news topic for Forbes to report as a trend. VHS fans and tapeheads aren't nostalgic of these films, we are nostalgic of the great video store, and that right there is a the problem and the biggest misconception of nostalgia. The films and work of the past that inspire shows like Stranger Things and other Netflix content are living, breathing and bleeding realities that we continue to live. We discuss them, malign them and celebrate them. Hell hath no fury like a tape had scorned. The great thing about nostalgia undoubtedly is its power to unite and to provide escapism, and that I can't argue with because goddamn we need it in these times, and who am I to deny anyone the right to dream? Can a genre be a scene? No. It's an aspect of cinema like western, musical or even a comedy. But horror, the genre, dominates other genres. It has since Nosferatu, the Universal Talkies, Hammer Studios, the video nasties of the 80s, slash revival of the 90s and torture porn of the 2000s. So again for those playing at home, VHS isn't dead, it's undead. It's still here, it has survived and risen from the grave taking on a space within our current popular culture beyond the space of the shelves it was once rented from. And that space is what this entire podcast will be discussing. The films, the genres, the quirks and the ongoing legacy these videos play in our collective lives. With that said, it's time for a commercial break. VHS Mate On Air will return shortly after a word from our dream sponsors. She's the kind of woman few people know exists. Glamorous, popular wealthy the complete image of goodness and beauty but devoted to destruction they call her the devil's widow she uses the oldest power on earth the power to turn men on first she drains them of their manhood and then of their lives the devil's widow a jet-set enchantress who opens her arms willingly to the young men who dream of sharing her lonely passions. And when she's finished with them, she turns their dreams into hallucinogenic nightmares of death. <coughs> See The Devil's Widow, starring Ava Gardner as the Mistress of the Occult. An American international picture rated PG, parental guidance suggested. When you meet The Devil's Widow, 
your nightmare begins. Once again, foolish friends, Freddy Krueger is on your phone. Dial this number now. I've got some tales to tell. Fred's favorite bedtime stories. <laughs> Dead time stories. So dial this number now if you dare and prepare for a scare. Freddy Krueger has a special message just for you. <laughs> Plus, when you dial 1-900-860-4-FRED, you can win in the Freddy's Dead Video Sweepstakes. Two grand prize winners each get a trip for two to Hollywood to attend the third annual Horror Hall of Fame award show. One first prize winner gets a real Freddy glove, just like in the movie, autographed by Robert England. Second prize, an official Freddy's Dead cast and crew jacket. And we'll have hundreds of runners-up who'll get Western Graphics Freddy posters, Impel's Freddy trading cards, Metal Blade's Freddy's Dead soundtrack, subscriptions to Fangoria Magazine, Innovation's Freddy's Dead comic books, or graphic novelization. So call today. We've saved the best for last. $2 per call, under 18. Get parents' permission. Touchstone only. Tell them Freddy sent you. <laughs> with weapons and sound. <laughs> Headstone versus Samurai Ninja. Cyberfist versus Tiger Ninja. All with the sound of a real martial arts action. Each set comes with two fighters and weapons. Tournament Masters. VHS. This is a segment I call This Time It's Personal. What are my own experiences with video? Everyone has one, right? I was born in the late 80s, so my childhood consists of the Nintendo and Sega video games, the 90s blockbusters, and the ever-present horror section in my local video store. My earliest memory is my dad, who was a horror fan, hiring out A Nightmare on Elm Street 5 The Dream Child when it was a new release. This would have been 1990. I was four years old. The cover is what drew me in. It wasn't the epic artwork we've seen around other parts of the world with the crystal ball, but a purple background with Freddy holding a knived finger up to his mouth, mouthing shh. The back is what suckered me in. A promotional shot on the back saw Freddy holding up a filthy looking toy baby doll. That toy is what I associated with kids and that link terrified me. My dad may have been crazy demented to let me watch this film at four years old, but it's this moment that sealed my fate within the horror genre. From that moment, Alice steps into the shower in her nightmare, only to see the door jam and the water begin to drown her right there in that shower cubicle, frightened me to the core. It taught me that nothing around me in my home couldn't turn on me. Lucky I didn't develop a fear of showering. At this time in 1990, Freddy Mania had begun to dwindle down, but culturally was still a buzz. To emulate Freddy, I would clip laundry pegs to my fingers and scare my younger siblings. I might have been the Freddy of their childhoods with my pegged fingers. I remember a local carnival and a whole ride devoted to Freddy around this time, a haunted house in which was adorned with Elm Street paraphernalia. Couples would stand up on a podium which would take them through the ghost house and through Freddy's nightmare. The fair also sold show bags, one of which was an Elm Street show bag. This moment was the moment I had been waiting for because I finally had the chance to own my own official Freddy fedora, plastic mask and plastic finger knives. From memory, the finger knives were too big for my tiny hands. It's a boy, Freddy proclaims on that back cover. 
I well and truly was that boy. At least I wished I was. My local video store at the time was called Plains Video, which was later bought out in the early 90s by Chain Civic Video. Plains Video was the quintessential video store, that one all of us have in our memories. Horror loomed around every corner, and in this particular store it was reserved for the back section of the premises. To the back the lights dimmed, and in its own reserve was a horror fan's paradise. Eight shelves of video on the walls, but there was a catch. Within the walls were hands coming out, monster hands, taloned hands, hairy hands of monsters and all sorts of creatures that would come out the wall as though it was going to grab you. This visual frightened me to the core, and rarely would I enter the horror section. I'd stand right at the entrance, watching my dad look at the videos, terrified of the hands that would pull me into video land, where I too would become a permanent fixture in the wall. Horror for me at that age was a strange but exciting thing. I was obsessed with being scared, obsessed with monsters, with death, and all things the genre has relied on since its inception. As I grew older, I'd go to the video store with my dad, who would rent out weeklies and new releases, always horror. Fright Night's cover always terrified and fascinated me. I was obsessed with that particular video. Pin from 1988 also terrified me, always too scared to ask to hire it out. Michael Jackson's thriller, The Vestron Video, also terrified me. Another video that took me a long, long time to hire out. And last but not least, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. The lips and the blood font confused me. It screamed forbidden, and as I later found out, was one of the rare films that supersedes its poster art. I was obsessed with vampires thanks to Fright Night, and Dad gave me a book of monsters I still have today that he had as a teenager. I date the book from around 1976. It has no cover. Maybe one of you guys can help me find the name of it because the book is a monument within my love for horror. I once asked to rent out Bram Stoker's Dracula as a new release in 1993. To me, it looked like the absolute pinnacle of vampirism. Instead, I got Buffy the Vampire Slayer, another new release in a vampire movie that came out at the same time. Dracula was all rented out, and I was furious. This didn't happen to me ever. Nobody ever rented the videos I wanted because usually they were at the back and the store fading away with time. Buffy thrilled me though. I discovered Christy Swanson, the 90s valley girl, Los Angeles, the divinals and genre hybridization, comedy and horror. Finally on return, Dracula was available and I rented it out. Watching it only by myself, cautious my mother would see the bride scenes with Keanu Reeves and the nudity. I could see the picture on the back. The movie sexualized vampires in a way I hadn't seen before. Vampires had always had an essence of eroticism, but not in the way Coppola had displayed. My foray into the nocturnal world of the vampire didn't end there. I discovered in the TV guide on At Midnight a movie called Teen Vamp. I got my dad to record it onto video. It sucked. Great pun. And then after hiring out Fright Night for the billionth time, I joined another local video store, a blockbuster. It was bigger, had movies I'd never seen before, and was a video paradise. It was then that I discovered something, what looked to be a video title. Its artwork cut by scissors to fit the traditional casing of a normal tape. Its original form looked to be that in the shape of a coffin. It bared similar artwork to a favourite movie of mine I'd rented out hundreds of times before. It was Fright Night 2. How the fuck did I not know there was a sequel? Well, I answered that question before. Videos were often out of print and weren't as accessible as online movies are today. This genuinely thrilled me though. The artwork was on point, there was a female vampire on the back, and I was absolutely sold. That moment and that sequel really took my love for horror and vampires to new heights. 
I even sent a letter to CBS Fox located in Ardman, Sydney to ask if I could personally buy a copy of the video as it wasn't available at any store I had been to. They never responded. Thanks dickheads, you ruined my childhood. In the year 1999 I was 12. I rented Fright Night 2 and as I had many times before and this time, for whatever reason, decided to brand this video with my name. I wrote my name on the back, clearly visible. I took it back after my usual seven-day rental and put it in the slot, not even thinking about the fact the video store was closed at an abnormal hour. Then I realised my worst fear had come true. The video store was closing down. I just put one of my most rented videos into the slot to learn I would never get to rent it again and had missed an opportunity to keep it. Many years later, in 2007, I had returned from a year in Los Angeles and was shopping in Newtown, Sydney. I came across an old Civic video, so I went in there and started perusing the movies and noticed there was a horror video section still among all those DVDs. I found Fright Night 2. In fact, it looked identical to the one I used to hire out. I turned the case over and there it is, my name on the back. I had found my beloved video. It was a nice reminder of the past and I never saw that video again. Somewhere in Australia, probably Sydney, a video collector hopefully has this copy of Fright Night 2 in their collection. It says my name, Ryan, on the back, and the case is cut from its coffin shape to fit a normal case. If you find it, message me. It would be the final nail in my Fright Night 2 coffin. Fuck, that was a good pun. So that's the origin story of my relationship with videos and video stores. Now I want to know yours. I love hearing people's fond memories of video stores, so if you'd like to share yours, then message me on Instagram at VHSMate. I'd love to talk to you and have you share your story on this podcast. VHSMate will definitely get back to you. Unlike CBS Fox in Artem and Sydney, I'm a nice guy. That's episode one, guys. Nostalgia, revising the past, the different types of nostalgia-ism, if that's even a word. The undead VHS, media within our lives, our relationships with video stores, and psychotic children who vandalize rental videos. From here onwards, the podcast will follow its different format. It will be themed, it will analyze and discuss the theme of the week, and it will be movie-focused, specifically video-focused. I hope you enjoyed strolling with me to the back section of Plane's video. I swear someone held my hand though. Thanks for listening to VHS Mate On Air and don't forget to subscribe to iTunes and follow On Air on Spotify. Unfortunately, this podcast is not available on video cassette yet. If you're driving, drive safely and have a nice drive home. Until next time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ha 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 